I'm Carson Daly, and I practically live online. It's true. Ever since the first time I heard the dial-up tone of AOL, I've been familiarizing myself with everything the World Wide Web has done to shape pop culture, from the early dot-com days to the Web3 and crypto boom. And what I've learned is that there's a not-so-secret society of entrepreneurs, influencers, and innovators who are incubating an entirely new zeitgeist, on and offline, and I can't wait for you to meet them. So tune in every Tuesday to hear my candid conversations with internet and technology trailblazers so you too can join us in leading the next digital revolution. This is The Carson Daly Show. I am so excited. Kid 8 is back for a little more On the Rug with Carson Daly and Kid 8. For anybody who doesn't know who Kid 8 is, he is the most prolific lover, I mean digital artist. He is also my lover. <laughs> he is a digital artist. He is the founder of Jeevils, the NFT collection. He's a Photoshop savant, a world builder. He is a million, million things. Um, and he's amazing. And you should definitely go back and listen to my episode during season one with Kid 8. If you haven't heard it yet, you'll get to know more about him, his background, his journey as an artist, his experience in the NFT and crypto art space. He has the most amazing story. I never get sick of hearing it. That's why I have committed to listening to it every day. And today I didn't have a guest. So he graciously decided to pop on and chat with me. We talked a little bit about some things happening in the news, some things happening in the Web3 and NFT space, and a bunch of other cool stuff too. And also, we talked about his show that opens up in London on July 6th through July 31st with W1 Curates at Flannels on Oxford Street. So if you missed that bit at the end, definitely, definitely check that out. Um, it's going to be a great show, and I'm going to be there. So if anybody catches this in time, definitely come see us and say hi. I will stop rambling now. Please, please, please enjoy my favorite person on my beloved podcast. This is Kid 8. I hear something. I can hear something. Okay. We're on. Okay. Hello, babe. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so happy I could be here at such short notice. Yes, you are here at short notice. Thank you for popping in when I didn't have another guest. Um, it's lovely to see your face. You too. I think this will be pixelated, but for we'll pe see. people we'll see. who don't know, I am looking at you as I do every day. Um, all right, let's catch up on a few things. It's off-putting because I'm looking at myself. Well, stop looking at okay. yourself. Um, all right. Well, I thought, I don't know, you might hate this, but let's start with some news because it's been a while since I've done a news episode. Okay. So we could just talk about some news. I just found out as of today that King Charles has <laughs> passed a bill <laughs> giving regulators the power to supervise crypto and stable coins, meaning that this bill has officially been passed into law. It was initially introduced in July of 2022. And after debates in parliament, amendments were added to treat all crypto as regulated activity to supervise crypto promotions and also bring stable coins into the scope of payment rules. So what do you think? Bullish? Bearish? King Charles. King our Charles. King, our King. Our King. How? I don't understand. He's got no say, surely. It was like the last step. It said it was the last formal step in passing this into law. 
It's like, oh, sometimes. I've not heard any of this. That's well, crazy. what do you think? I'm like... also so taken back because I wasn't expecting you to drop some questions <laughs> on me. So I'm a bit like, well, this trying is a, to think what you, this I'm is trying a to work podcast. out. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I have, where, what's the source? That sounds bollocks to me. Fr that's from Coindesk. All oh, right. I have, well, uh, is that, uh, is the question, is that bullish Are or bearish? Are you bullish, bearish? I don't fully understand what you even say. Well, now, like and under UK law, yes, like crypto is now officially in law, like is considered part of regulatory financial systems and structures. Well, I mean, I think that's part of the course because the PM at the moment has been very pro crypto. Right. So, I mean, it's, it seems, yeah, I'm fine with it. Two thumbs up, whatever, <laughs> doesn't bother me. Well, because we were talking about this earlier, like obviously we're in a bear market right now. And I think maybe a lot of that has to do with people's fears with losing money with lack of regulation maybe or just lack of security around crypto it can be a number of different things but i think that there's definitely room for like some bullish kind of news if even government is talking about crypto well i mean from what i understand rishi sunak's been trying to bring in something called bitcoin which is essentially just a cryptocurrency but it's going to be completely centralized right. so it would be like an online way of paying for stuff in britain so i mean i don't really know i don't think it's that helpful to be honest i don't think it what do i know i, I literally know nothing thanks for asking me such a question <laughs> well does it off the bat. as somebody who has you know some net worth in stable coin like does but it's not going to be they're not like if there's losses they're not going to back it up or anything right. i don't really understand right they they're just going to it sounds like they're just going to be able or wanting to keep an eye on people more. Like yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not that bullish to me personally. Right. It, doesn't it sort of go against everything that decentralization stands for? Well, like? that's a question of like, you know, is there, can you have decentralization like to a certain point? Like, can anything be truly decentralized? Like even like Ethereum or an yeah. NFTs or whatever, like are these even like decentralized? Well, use no, cases I, mean, I i guess like decentralization is fine until you need to cash out exactly. and then you need like a centralized and you want to put it in a bank and yeah, they have to ask well, you where that's what from. i think that's one thing people don't really talk about is like how fucking hard it is to actually move crypto into a bank mm -hmm. like it's just the, the logistics of it they're not it's not easy right. so yeah i think that's and if it's going to streamline something like that and make it easier then yeah that's bullish overall but yeah I'm I'm on the fence. I'm ambivalent until. <laughs> okay, good. Now we covered a bit of news. So yeah, my... thanks for telling me. You could have told me five minutes ago. We're going to start with some news, and could have shared it with me, and I could have sounded more yeah. informed. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Um, it's just like every other news episode I do, except for it's not scripted. Okay, I guess I'll skip my second bit of news. No, go for it. Go for it. No, I wanted to talk about Azuki. Yeah, you can do that. Okay, let's talk about Azuki. First of all, for people who are listening that don't know, will you give us a history lesson? Who's what is Azuki? You're definitely better Who's person to do that. I don't, I don't know. You know better than me. I'll give you my opinion when okay, you're done. Okay, okay, okay. So Azuki is a a PFP project founded by a person called Zagabond, who it later became known that Zagabond was behind crypto zunks. Yeah. and funks yeah okay so and there was another one wasn't there there was like a, was there a penis one or 
I don't know, but I just remember that crypto zunks had this drama of like saying that they were, their team were females and then they wouldn't get on, they wouldn't get on spaces and prove themselves. And like, he was pretending to be all these different people, like just turn into this whole thing. It became revealed that he was the founder of Azuki, like after Azuki had completely skyrocketed, which I mean, I don't even know if I blocked that time out in my mind. Like, I remember it because I, I, again, I was, by this point, I was already like disenfranchised with the whole entity thing. So I was just like, this seems so scripted and just bollocks. It just felt like like another bollocks drop, basically. But yeah, sorry, carry on. No, I want you to keep going because I like don't even remember why or how like azuki became such a big thing but didn't they get like the art the art's so good that's why i kept reading on twitter the art's so good Did so it... good was it so good i don't think so. well now this is a question about um elementals but so good we did it twice yeah exactly so good we did it twice so elemental they did azuki and then they did like a complimentary beans yeah that was the part of it right i, f- I mean they look okay like the, the thing that I mean, I'll probably let you finish the story, but it's just annoying that the hypocrisy of this guy that's able to just keep failing and then bring something out. And now because he's had one hit, he's able to literally do what the fuck he wants. And there's people that are just going to make excuses for him. Exactly. Well, that was the big point is that like, if anybody else had done this, it had been revealed that it was like their third or fourth or fifth PFP project that absolutely tanks like this person would be like defined as a serial rugger rugger which like he is for all intents and purposes because the definition of rugging in this like Mm. broader nft space is somebody who launches the project with the hopes and expectations to make millions or whatever and then completely abandons it and lets it go to shit and leaves their community like just basically ghosting like this is by definition what he did with these other projects the difference is that he why he didn't get classified as this is because by the time it was revealed azuki had already had like some insane floor price so Mm -hmm. had already brought people yielded people like their return on investment or whatever else like they've they made gains blah 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 so all of a sudden the standard like there was this new double standard in play of like well he's forgiven because he made other people so much money. Like maybe, you know, I'm a hopeful consumer. I want to stay in good graces and still believe in this guy. Like what's, what, what is that? I mean, I don't know. Again, it's, I just think it's crazy. And I remember the time um, when it, when it came out that he was who he was, blah, blah, blah. Like the, the Twitter spaces he was in, he was just like so unapologetic and just, did not fucking care. So uh, in a way, sort of hats off to him. He obviously enjoys NFTs. He enjoys the theatrics of dropping and the community building and all that bollocks. But I don't even know what makes Suzuki's profitable. Like if it's just airdrops, like we've, I, we could do multiple airdrops for Jeevils and whatever collections are out, but I have no idea what is driving the worth behind this. Like, is it, uh, is it the Discord? I don't know. Don't They call it the garden, apparently. Nice. They were going to start giving out jackets. Like I heard that was... So when we were doing our merch drops, people yes. were going on about the Azuki jackets to every holder. That was like 18 months ago. I've not seen anything of it. Right, right. Admittedly, I've been off Twitter for six months. Right. So I, it could have been and gone. But I don't know. I just think it's... The the whole NFT space is just not 
what you and I signed up for right. originally over two years ago. Like that is not the environment. That's not the space. And it's knowing that his new, the new drop Elemental sold out in under 10 minutes at a Dutch auction for two each, like $38 million yeah, exactly. for the artwork to reveal. And now people are complaining that it's, it's similar to the first lot. It's like, I don't, I, I don't even know what to say. I, I, Cause I get my news now just from the news app. I don't go on Twitter right. anymore. And they were posting um, tweets from some guy and he's like, I've put so much money into this. I'm so unhappy. I'm going to drop the floor. And it's like, why, why are you expecting to make money instantly from buying an NFT? Right. Like, I just don't understand that. Or make money at all. Well, yeah. Like why buy something if you don't like it? Right. Like I just, I don't get that. And yeah, of course they, they were bought unseen, but even more like one thing this guy can do is build hype. True. Like he sold those golden skateboards for like millions. It's, I have no idea who is part of his community that are just keep buying the shit he's pumping out, but, right. but they are. So it's, you can't be angry at him. I can't I, like, I, I don't know anything of him, but it's sort of fair play. He's playing yes. the, he's playing, he is playing the people, like the people that are trying to get in out, make load of money. He's playing them. Right. And he's sort of winning at this point. Right. He knows kind of what he's doing, I guess. In yeah, a way. He's probably the best player in the NFT game. When you think about it, like, probably. I'd say probably a lot more successful than Board Ape Yacht Club. And when you think about how sustained hype, sustained hype, yeah, but also no like uh, manufactured yeah. sort of input from like the outside like world. PC. He's not he's not trying to bring Web two or the old world right. into NFTs. He's just trying to keep rinsing the same old people. Right. Like, well, he's not got protein. Azuki's on Jimmy Fallon or whatever yeah, else. And, and like, that, not and he hasn't spinning. been. He, he hasn't had to buy the Rick and Morty studio to uh, pump out some doodles cartoons and shit. Well, it's like interesting that so much of like the Board Ape Yacht Club stuff happened in like this mainstream media spotlight, mm. where it's almost like a bit forgivable that like these idiots. Like, sorry, no offense, people in the mainstream, but people can like normies can see these things happening and be like, okay, maybe this is a good idea where like Zagabond with Azuki is just like selling to the same yeah. people over and yeah. over again. Yeah, yeah. And they're not smartening up. Like they are not like, he's not trying to like, you know, sell to Seth green or Paris Hilton yeah. or whatever. It's like where it is corny enough on its own that like, that's the joke and that's fine. Mm. And you can laugh at that. But like, he's it is like the same group of people that just think something is going to happen and for what but yeah but what's going to happen exactly. it's like we were the, the like one of the last pumps in bitcoin there was all the charts saying that there's no new money coming in this is just circling out shit coins to this to this to this and that's essentially what i see the nft scene at the moment yeah. it's just selling circle old projects jerk. to buy new it's, yeah it's a massive circle jerk but um the funniest thing that you told me about the azuki drop about the fud tell me that oh Repeat god yeah that rumor. People saying that like i read um what did someone say they said oh yeah this he put out fake artwork to create fud so he can then drop the real artwork and look like a savior and all this i'm like these people are so fucking disillusioned like so how much money have you got to have invested and i see it now just like from just the side of someone who's been through the mill and had to put up with so much shit from people mm -hmm. and not done half the fucked up stuff this guy's done like as far as pulling the wool over eyes and shit. so yeah i mean fair play to him i think fair play to him but i just i don't understand it no. i don't understand it but you look back now at like a point where bored apes are worth a million dollars and people were like they're gonna they're gonna be worth 60 million one day like what the fuck were these people thinking <laughs> who like 
I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I still think the price for Jeevils is like a nice price. I if do you want to own an NFT by me, if you want to own a piece of art yeah, by of art you, whatever, right? Then, yeah, just like. Um, speaking of things that don't make sense, let's take a trip segway, back. Segway, segway. <laughs> take a trip back in time, a couple of weeks or months ago. Pepe coin. Oh yeah. What happened? You haven't told anyone. No. What happened? What was that? How did that happen? Like, well, why? You I should be asking you. I know. Well, I should be asking you. Tell everybody how you. Played I the game. saw. I think his name is Nifty Wop. One of my friends, Twitter friends, when I was still on Twitter. I'm not anymore for reasons we can't discuss. But um, he posted that he like. Well, one thing I love about him is that he uses a mutant ape PFP just to troll people. Like it's when he doesn't use, but like he knows what kind of like perceived cloud yeah, it garners, which I think is smart. legendary. Yeah. And he had invested something like maybe an ETH or something like that, a couple, a thousand bucks, a couple thousand bucks and flipped it like either 48 or 72 hours later for like $284,000 or something. And I was like, okay, wow. yeah, this is and I was like, this still feels early enough. So what did I put in? 0. 0.5? No, you said 0. 0.1 to me. 0. 0.1. I think I put in like $150 worth. You sold something. And Well, I had sold. I went through and was just like selling a bunch of you my stuff. You sold your own ones. My Oni ones. Oni fours. They were having a pump. Thank you. I sold mine as well the other week. Oh, that. really? Um, And I bought, I cashed out some crypto, some ETH, because I needed to pay off some credit cards because I'm working on my financial girly goals you're welcome <laughs> thank you and i bought like 150 dollars worth and what was it like the next day it was at like 800 or 500 yeah, yeah, yeah. and then i maybe i forgot about it for like a week and i looked and it was like 10 grand or no it wasn't like that it was over just i'd say two three weeks okay over, maybe two weeks and we saw it go from like 2.5 and then it went back down to 1800 and yeah. you were like should i cash out da, 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 da. And then basically one Friday, you're on the laptop and it, it was at 10. Your holding was at 10. I was like, cash out, cash out, now's the time. And you're like, no, it's going to the moon. It's going to the moon. I was like, this and the is next my day, it was worth dollars. six or something. Yeah, I know. And then I ended up cashing it out, I think, for like five grand. Yeah. But... but that was a good come up. And that inspired me to go and buy poo coin. <laughs> one Sunday when we were at Starbucks. How was your poo? I, um, I bought one, sorry, 0.1 ETH. Cost me like $180. And by the end of the day, it was like $700. I was like, I'm on it. I've got the next Pepe. Woke up the next day, it was $13, $13 or something. So yeah, I'm keeping that as a reminder. I want to check the price of Pepe coin right now. I did not that it matters. It, it really doesn't matter. But somebody asked me this on a podcast I was a guest on. I wanted to ask you, what brands would you point, create? Let me just say, I didn't have an answer to this. Like I was totally blank. So hopefully you do. What brands would you point creators or entrepreneurs toward to understand Web3 use cases, either in a way that was well done or poorly executed? Shit. Um, I like couldn't think of very many. I don't know, because like a lot of the ones that sort of, I think, came to market came early, early. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if anyone's done it really well. From my opinion, like some people could argue that Gucci have done well because yeah. they've sort of they got in early, they've had collaborations and stuff. But I don't know, like there's probably been more poor ones than good ones, yeah. but there's been probably that many I can't even remember. I'm just thinking back to like early nifty gateway drops, yeah, like yeah, yeah. stuff like that. But I I've not really had my finger on the pulse. I think I think some of like the fashion week ones have been a bit bait, like a bit 
like who are you trying to appeal mm. to it because like i understand digital fashion is important and it's got it's like it could ha potentially be something in the future but there's not many people involved in fashion that are interested in coming to nfts and web3 and vice versa it's like very much like any sort of music collab i think that's why the, the evil like mixtape thing never really took off because the people involved aren't really right. tapped in and vice versa so it's hard i i, I read i read like about ea sports and stuff like that like starting to join and but they've had a collab with nike that apparently has just been bad i think nike funnily enough have handled shit badly over like I don't know what their relationship is with Art Effect at the moment, but right. they seem to be distancing themselves. Yeah. Like they're doing, I heard much. yeah, like they, from what I see, they're not really doing much joint Art Effect stuff. So I don't know. I think they're definitely interested. I know that they've been like looking at MCs for over five years and stuff. So, yeah. Well, what I heard like somebody say, it was like some clip I saw somebody say on a panel that was like, imagine if you know louis vuitton was dropping like they dropped yeah, i think they, they, they did just did one recent, yeah. they just did but this person was like imagine if you know they had ten thousand nfts a ten thousand nft drop and the only way to get this bag would be to own the nft and you know that would make that token price go up and scarcity and blah blah, blah. and i just am like i don't see a world where this is like gonna happen well yeah like i don't see what the i don't see what like the consumer incentive is i mean i guess if you really want to own that bag but like it just seems like a lot of hoops to jump through yeah. to have something like yeah. especially i think for new brands like we talked a lot about this when we were doing apparel mm -hmm. and when we were launching our web store was like you know what why shouldn't we like create more entry points for people to get into the brand and they can do that through a t-shirt or through a hoodie or through an nft and if they have both then they might get an extra special mm. incentive but like i don't i don't know nike has like dot swoosh yeah which is their what i am missing and like what i would get i would buy like an nft if i could like bridge it between something like we are excellent nintendo switch golfers you know this is what i've been so i think this is what ea games are trying to do so you buy like let's say you buy some night trainers off a of dot swoosh your player on fifa can then wear them right but i mean it, it's basically downloadable content but right adding it to the blockchain so i don't know yeah the the thing with louis vuitton I, I i did read that they are doing something like that they're gonna have a special release just for nft holders but as we know like the more money you make the higher up you get you get gifted these things right so are they going to start then gifting nfts to like legacy um clients that yeah. aren't fucking interested like right. you gotta remember it's only been the last 20 years that louis vuitton has been like sort of more focused in like not streetwear but yeah, like yeah, younger yeah. people mm -hmm. it was like An old, old lady, money yeah. old money old lady like trunks and stuff so i don't know i don't know these things take time also i don't i like respect what a lot of like digital fashion houses like i think fabricant's really cool i think dress x is really cool but i don't see the like allure right now in snapping a pic with like a digital wearable on i think that's just because of the quality because i've seen some like filters like as the technology gets better it's going to become more seamless mm. but you're thinking of like decentraland level graphics it yeah. just doesn't make sense like it the technology is catching up and that will be i think that that that'll make things more sustainable right. like as far as 
like you know yourself buying stuff online sending it back because it doesn't like quite look good yeah. that can eliminate a lot of that that's a lot true. of waste that's true yeah that is true i didn't think about like using it as a tool to like streamline a consumer trend like this is i think a big like hole in kind of like the the mass adoption like conversation of like you have to explain to people why they want to have this in their life like if it solves a problem like what you just said like an issue of like well, I don't know how this is going to look on me. I don't know, you know, if this is going to fit me. I don't look like the model, whatever, whatever. Especially when when it comes to high fashion where every model is like basically has the body shape of like a 15-year-old boy. No offense to anybody, not PC, but... You can't say that. Uh, whatever, I, I said it. <laughs> I said it, that. I said it. But I think like when you start to think about... And this is the other like getting back full circle to like the whole brand's and like web three thing that I talked about with when I was on a podcast with somebody else was like, what does it solve? Like, what does it streamline? What does it make easier? What's the incentive for the consumer? Because brands, what people are missing is that brands don't dictate trends anymore. Like not in the way that they used to 10 years ago. Consumers Mm. dictate trends like TikTok, Instagram, influencers, like these people are the ones who are going to decide like if your brand or what your or your product is viable if it's a good market fit if it's you know something that they want like brands aren't the ones who are are defining that anymore yeah i agree okay <laughs> no, I we see that differently though because you you can be influenced by influencers yes. like i i don't really fucking care about any of that ever not influencers, no. Not when Joe Budden is wearing the Amiri Playboy bunny jumper. He's not an influencer. He I, is, I like though, Amir- but he's. A- I like Amiri clothes and I like that jumper. But I think you have to, at some point, surrender to the fact that, like, you're constantly, we are constantly being subjected to messaging about what is cool, what we want, what we should mm. buy based on kind of other people around us. You've not been influenced to buy the Drake Lover Boy Air Force Ones. <laughs> what do you mean? I wasn't. Yeah, maybe I was. Shut up. Okay, whatever, whatever. No, but like, to I answer, win answer, that round. Ding, 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 ding. To answer your question, though, I think just the entry level to Web three still isn't that streamlined. It's still not that easy to just get involved. Yeah. So it, it is adding extra steps. You're asking your client base to do something extra, right. rather than just logging with their Google account and check out. Like, right. and I don't know. I. I it's weird. I look back so much at like when I first got involved in NFCs and what the reason I did and what I saw the space being. And it just, it's just not like that anymore. Like it's just so far removed from that. So it's hard for me to even understand where it's going to go because I never imagined it would sort of get here. Well, I think that's, that can be said, like you can remove web three from that. And you can say that about a lot of other things like I never thought I would use my face to log into my phone. Yeah. Like I never thought I would be able to use my fingerprint to log into my phone or my tablet. Like these are. You grew up in Vermont. That's true. Where <laughs> we used cow shit to log into our phones. <laughs> we didn't even have a house key. We just shoved maple syrup in the lock That's and so it opened true. up. So <laughs> but this is like, <laughs> you have to go back to like, you have to think about how far things have come and like 
to understand truly how far we can go. So do you want to talk about AI? No, I was going to say, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Oh, you're welcome. Let's talk about AI. What have you been doing with AI? AI is a weird one because when like you started seeing things like mid journey come out and stable diffusion i was like quite excited like i went and played around with it and it, it seemed still early on like the, the the results you were getting could be good if you played around long enough but now it a couple of weeks ago i got quite deeply involved in like playing around stable diffusion and i just felt redundant actually like the, the results you can get are so fucking good with so little work i just felt like it's going to take a lot of people out of their job, a lot of people out of their passions. So yeah, I've been treading lightly with it. I've, I'm at the sort of mind frame now where it can be used as a tool, but I think there's just that much pushback from actual artists that it will never be fully accepted as like legitimate because you're just sampling other people's work and it's being mashed together through noise and blah, blah, blah. Right. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting and the, the pace at which it's moving yeah. is scary. Yeah. Well, oh, but can I just say, actually, while we're talking about AI, so I was talking with my friends a couple of years ago about all these um, like music catalogs getting brought up by mm -hmm. people, and I said I I think like someone's going to end up buying the Beatles like back catalog, and then running it through an AI and releasing like a, a, a Beatles song or a single or whatever. And I read a couple of weeks ago that's exactly what they're doing. Oh, wow. Paul McCartney's behind it. Oh wow! So they're like they 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 run it through and they got John Lennon singing and. So yeah, that, that I think that's the future of music. All these people that have had their back catalogs brought for publishing, like Future, mm. uh, The Dream, all these people, they're just going to start putting out AI versions of these artists. But being able to, because they'll own the rights to it, it won't just be like that guy that was doing all the Drake and Weekend oh, yeah, collabs the and stuff. Ghost something yeah. or whatever. Well, that like makes me think of another question. Is there, do you think we're moving toward a future where like fandom is kind of becomes obsolete because who how can you be a fan of like an ai like and then it kind of makes this whole like one of these web three thesis of like you'll be able to reward your fans like true connectivity like direct to fan communication whatever like do you think that there is a world if artists if ai replace artists if ai replace creatives if ai replace you know musicians and bands and things like that like is there a world where we don't have fandom anymore? I don't because think so. Because we don't have stars. Yeah, but there'll always be stars and there'll always be like the same sort of people that go out and buy vinyl records now. Like the people that like analog life, like they like to touch something, to feel something. They're always going to want real people. But right. at the same token, by the same token, Tammy, <laughs> there's going to be, um, there's going to be people that are, going to create AI avatars and they're going to have fans. Like you saw the FN Mecca, wherever it is. That, like, Jesus. I mean, it wasn't AI, but that was by the, also behind. Artifacts. Yes, people forget um, that. But th I'm pretty sure like all these Japanese anime girlies mm. on TikTok, some of those are AI. Yeah. Like there's all shit like that. So there's, there'll always be a balance. I don't think it'll completely overtake. But one thing I always think is like the AI needs to be trained off something. Mm. So if if you're no longer creating and there's nothing to run through the algorithms and train it with, if you're training AI on other AI, surely it's just going to break. Right. It, it needs original content and it needs to keep right. learning. It needs like... It'll get to the point where it just like breaks itself surely. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember, I say a lot of stuff and I know very little about anything. You know everything. You're the no, smartest and sexiest fan I know. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, well, also, like speaking of AI, maybe this is like not that current anymore, but 
I don't know. Is the Writers Guild still on strike? Like in so in Hollywood, like the Writers Guild, no, heard that right? Strike, because heard they, they wanted were. they wanted studios to like I think they are. make a take a position yeah. on AI. And I was listening to my favorite wheelchair expert, nice. Dax Shepard, when you weren't there, um, and they were talking about this and he was saying like, okay, I support writers. Yes. Do I, I love Quentin Tarantino. Like I could tell an AI, like tell ChatGPT to write me a script about X, Y, and Z as like a Quentin Tarantino film, whatever, whatever. And yes, that is maybe that is considered stealing plagiarism to a certain degree. But if you have been watching Quentin Tarantino films for 20 years of your life or more or whatever, however long he, that he's fucking been around, don't you think to some degree you already, you yourself are kind of part of that deep learning? Like we are all influenced in some capacity. Like if you're just using technology to streamline it, like is it- yeah, What's his argument? Is he saying you could do that and put it out as a Quentin Tarantino film? Well, no, he's saying so like- it, it, but it still wouldn't be a coincidence. Exactly. But he's saying like, I get that, you know, people are thinking that these are like shortcuts and whatever, whatever, but we are still to a certain degree, all influenced by something. We ourselves are some type of deep learning mechanism. And also AI does have like, yes, it can do these things like on a creative level to a certain degree, but also like what it can do is streamline processes. Like if you want, you could say like, set up here's the story set it up in like the scripting format like in the format as a 22 minute whatever as a 200 minute film feature feature length film whatever whatever and use these processes to like actually format something to help streamline creativity there's like is a double-edged sword. well yeah i mean I th it definitely has its place in a lot of things like just this week i've been building my website and I haven't been in WordPress in like 10 years, but now you can use AI to like build the majority of the, like the text and stuff. It's helpful, it's streamlined, but I don't know, like I'm not that bothered. Yeah. But as you know, I'm not really fussed about a lot of things. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was just trying to work out what your original thought was. So are you saying that's bad that you can write a Quentin Tarantino? No. Because like just... the Charlie Brooker, the creator of Black Mirror said he intended to do a Black Mirror episode written by ChatGPT. And he said it was just, it was shit, basically. It just, it just mashed all the other episodes right. together and it was no cohesion. Right. Well, that's there. That's the thing is like people saying, people having fears that you'll be able to use AI in this way, which has been proven that you can't, at least not well, at least not yet. But like, that's what their fear is. But the argument is like, if I have been already influenced by this, this filmmaker, this writer, this artist, you know, this piece of pop culture for so long, isn't that like, can't we make some assumptions that we already, that we ourselves are already kind of implementing what like the thesis of like something like ChatGPT is? The thing is though, like a human is influenced by feeling like an AI isn't going to get the feeling of how you felt when you saw that scene in Glorious Bastards. Like it's not going to understand that. It can, it can have the writing and it can, like format it in a way that you could film and write, but it's not, I don't think it's going to be able to portray like just the cinematic of like the theatrics of it also. I don't know. I can just someday. Cause if... like South Park did a chat GPT uh, episode and it was shit. I liked it. And no, I, don't it was, like I just thought, I thought it was shit. Like it well, was what you'd expect it to be. 
Yeah. My mom liked it. No, your mom doesn't watch South Park. She watched it with us when she was doing my keratin treatment. Oh, God, Jesus. Okay, one other thing that I want to talk about on the list. Her neck. She doesn't listen to this either. Hey, Cobe. She doesn't listen to this either. Okay. I know she doesn't because you you slag her off every single episode. And I she, love never, it. she never ever never hears calls. it. She never says. She never calls. It's just a cry for attention from her. All right. So another thing I wanted to talk about is we, yes, fresh, um, when the vape hits, the vape, <laughs> um, we recently saw the new Spider-Man movie. We did. Into the Spider-Verse. And I got to thinking about how animation as like a genre within pop culture like within hollywood whatever media has been like historically pretty codified like if you think about like even predating like mickey mouse but like black and white cartoons and then the mickey mouse style looney Tunes style then like you know south park family guy simpsons all of the like these looks over to like pixar big eyes big heads small bodies whatever we're seeing now like into the spider-verse has is like an absolute like dream on the it's a world of its own it's a style that is cannot be captured like you cannot even it is like an amalgamation of so many different things and even like i think it's so crazy because like in the same kind of summer the same release like kind of schedule you've got also new teenage mutant ninja turtles mm-hmm. film coming out which is also a way different yeah yeah, yeah. like, like a stop motion clay clay of. like mixed with also that comic book style that fast pace like crazy flashing imagery like we're seeing so much like evolve in the this like w- in the world of animation like as a genre and i just i don't really have a question i just want to get like your take on yeah, I like mean, how that's changing. I love it. Like the first Spider Verse, I thought was insane. But that sort of they took a risk with that film because mm-hmm. everything's sort of been oversaturated, sort of Pixar, DreamWorks, yes. sort of aesthetic. And when it came out, like the Pixar films, obviously were revolutionary. But people get fatigue, I think. Yeah. And for the studio that made uh, Spider Verse to take a risk, yeah. it's enabled films like uh, The Mitchells. What's it called? Yeah, um, Mitchell's versus Machines. Mitchell's versus Machines, right. that style, crazy. Puss in Boots, even like DreamWorks went a different um, direction. It's it's just giving people the um, the opportunity to try something new, and I absolutely love it. Like Spider Verse is like visually, I I, I left like in, in just complete awe. Mm-hmm. Like so many passes, so many effects, like crazy. But their animation team is double what a normal Pixar t- uh, film would be. So yeah. I love it personally. I, I'm excited and I'm excited for the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Yeah. I think it's like, it is a risk. And like the fact that these are like experimental art styles that are going straight to cinema, like that is the part that really, I think, blows my mind a lot because you wouldn't find that like a, something as big as like Hollywood as an institution would be the one to kind of really like lead these like experimental art styles like but i think with it like starting with the first spider-verse you've got like an entity such as spider-man which is never really going to do like, badly yeah neo-classic. so you sort of can take a punt at it yeah so yeah i think yeah it's just watching how the others follow whatever is there do you think this like is a sense of like could potentially lead to like a sense of kind of like 
relief and even like empowerment to like digital artists and creatives to like be more experimental or is it a burden because there is all this sudden like this the standard and the bar has been raised on like what is different and unique and pushes boundaries I, I, depends person to person because like i i love the spider-verse look i, I love mitchell's and machines like yes. i absolutely adore it but it's not something i could pull off right so i yes, i you could well no no i i felt like like lesser than mm. but some artists will be able to take that and run with it and like feel like they've got permission to try new things or even pitch new things yeah like half the thing like you don't know you can do something unless you you have to be sorry you have to be able to know you can do it and then show it yeah which is the hardest part about creating i find like just recently i'm working on so much stuff i know how i want it to look in my head but i just can't get it out and that's that's frustrating but there are artists that aren't in a relationship with you and we just sit there day after day and just get it done (laughs) because you need your you time no, I don't. I'm playing Sims again. I know. So if Tell I'm, one about your Sims. If I miss you, I can just go on a date with you in Sims, even though you literally, your Sim fell asleep on our date last time. Um, no, I'm not going to talk about my Sims. Thank you for the invite, though. Okay, you have your very first solo art show. I do. Opening July 6th through July 31st in London with W1 Curates. Congratulations, babe. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for all your help. You're so welcome. I have been thinking about a memory, a story that I've saved until right now. Okay. Which I think could inspire some good conversation. I remember when we first met in London and, you know, we were talking and I had this like vision of like coming back one day to like support you at like a Christie's or like a Sotheby's show, like Mm -hmm. you being like featured in or like an included artist in that and just thinking about like how I think I said even like months later or whatever at some point I was like yeah someday when like my mom and my sister come to London and we're all going to be there to support you and blah 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 and and I like am so glad that didn't happen yeah and that like we are where we are and that you are where you are and you're working with the people that you're working with it's just like such a relief Mm. I think and I think as far as like going the distance, like I've never really asked you, like even before I had that, like that magic fantasy or romanticized moment, like I never asked you what your like perception of like traditional art galleries and curators was Mm. or is. Well, so before NFTs, before like this years and years and years ago, I started trying to get into traditional galleries because I was doing screen prints and stuff and just starting small I wasn't going like thinking mad but just couldn't get through the door just could not because I was a digital artist my process was digital even if I was using traditional like screen printing methods it still wasn't really seen as a viable I wasn't seen as a viable artist so when the NFT thing took off and you saw like the artist's in the scene getting invited to Christie's and Sotheby's I felt like I was on a trajectory and at one point I was like in conversations but it for me I I wanted to do it because I it was more so just like to say you'd done it yeah like I knew in reality the people that were going and having their art sold at these things the NFT artists would they were getting screwed over they were like they'd make more on super rare if they would sell a piece Mm -hmm. and and the commissions and stuff but it was more so just to like say that you'd done it because I remember that day 
when D-Face and Funky Wex and all those like had their um, auction in London, I went down there and it was like, it was just like a nice moment. Like it felt like recognition yeah. and we're all standing in there. Like there's Banksy selling, there's Damien Hurst and then here comes D-Face and it's just like, this is fucking surreal. I was like so, so proud of him. But knowing like how they've got treated afterwards and yes. that it was all massively in a bubble. Yeah. Like all massively in a bubble like i always knew it was a bubble i always but i i think this is one of the reasons that i could never really get too in the middle because i was outside it yeah like i could see everybody within the bubble like i was seeing thank you x selling pieces to fucking saudi billionaires and i'm like what the fuck is going on like what the fuck like being in the um the auction house and the guy's saying fuck render's name and everyone's giggling i'm like like fuck render should not be here yeah. like this this um chain from turbo squid should not be here yeah what the fuck is going on here like so yeah it was it was a moment in time i'm glad that i went to as many things as i did and i saw as much as i did because i very much saw that nfts and crypto art could be like the start of like pop art or graffiti in the 1980s in new york i was like it felt really exciting and it's just all stopped it's yeah. just completely and i'm trying to pinpoint when it was it like the it was before ftx it was Right. After the all-time highs, like after the all-time highs, everybody just sort yeah. of lost interest in it. So yeah, it, um, I probably skirted around your question. I would have done it. I would have enjoyed to do it, but just to say I've done it. Yeah. So yeah, that's why the, the W1 thing is like exciting to me, but also scary because it's like, this is two years after the fact of like NFTs being big and I'm been invited to showcase my work and some of the other, like Beeple's there a couple months ago, they just had Sam Spratt like illustrious names like yeah. people that everybody knows and i'm having my work showcased in the same venue is it's it's been it's daunting amazing. it's amazing but it's been daunting and i've i've been as you know i've been sort of crippled by it yeah. i've been trying to work on new stuff for it for like six months and i haven't been able to get anything well i think the like what is really like exciting for me about it and like I feel even more so after like getting your perspective on like trad art galleries and curations is like the way that you know Christie's and Sotheby's which no offense like if they still want to come through and make an offer we'll consider it but I don't think we will but like they digital artists in particular like especially people who have been successful whether deserved or not within like the crypto art space have been treated like cattle like they're just cattled in and out and like just i think they that these art houses have really failed them in terms of like and and failed the space in a lot of ways where it like hasn't really done anything to move the needle except for maybe like help fuocious make an extra you know 30 million dollars but good for them um but i think like the experience of working with Mark and the W1 team. You might have to blur his name. Does he want to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's uh, in publications. But he, the experience. Lovely guy, sorry. The experience of working with them is like, they don't have, they don't expect or want oh, anything no, no, I, from like, you. He's been so insanely lovely. So supportive. So, like, I've never known, especially, so when we met him was like, the night before I couldn't literally couldn't sleep. I was like, we're gonna have to cancel this. Cause I had so much anxiety because being involved in NFTs and crypto art, like just the expectations from people, yes. people that like brought your work. And this is one, this is one thing I've, I'm 
mostly pissed off about, like this is what really pissed me off. If you bought one of my pieces on secondary, you chose the price you paid for it. Yes. If you bought something for 15 ETH and now it's no longer worth that, I didn't get you that. Didn't 15, I didn't get that. You didn't set I didn't that set the price. price, and I didn't get that fifteen ETH. So I feel worse than you do because yeah. not only have I let you down, I also didn't get any of that fucking money. Yeah. So I'm stuck. Like, so I've had this massive chip on my shoulder about the whole NFT thing. Didn't feel worthy, and then Mark just being so fucking lovely, mm. like doesn't expect anything, so supportive, right. it, happy, excited to have my work showcase. <laughs> like absolutely insane. So yeah, there are nice people out there. I They're think just not so. involved in NFTs. <laughs> well, I think the way. Like what is so awesome about W1 is that they they believe in and are excited about their their champions of digital art. Absolutely. Like that is Mark's like he told us a bit of his story. Yeah. Like that is his background came from providing screens to galleries. Trap gallery. Like the ones that we were just discussing and seeing the way that it was treated and you know how the carelessness around like oh well the screen if the screen broke and nobody cared and whatever like him just wanting to create a space a platform a stage for digital art to have its moment and like the amount of care and like the colors and the immersion of digital art and experiencing it is something that like that's what i think makes an opportunity like this and a showcase like this for you go distances further like just light years further than the feelings that you would have got like felt after participating in something with yeah. one of these trad art galleries like but also like with w1 we're not trying to sell anything we're not exactly. trying we're just trying to showcase the art exactly. whereas at christie's or sotheby's or whatever i would just be so fucking worried that my piece didn't make as much as my last piece or exactly. didn't make as much as my friend and it's just like i don't know it's just not for me like I don't know if I'll ever sell another piece again, truth be told. Like, I think Kid 8 art is out there, it's scarce, and that's it. I can't imagine ever minting again, especially after working on Evolutions for so long and not mm. being able to find any devs to help us drop it. Like, right. being told I'm anti-Christian and shit like that. Fuck it then. Exactly. Fuck you. Like, if you don't want me, I'm not, I'm not bothered. Right. But I don't... The thing is, with, like, digital art and digital artists, I do worry that, like, they will never be given recognition. Yeah. Just because just like spider-verse for example like each one of those like um stills could be in a gallery and be yeah. a, a beautiful piece of art but things like the film the life of pi you know that film yes the, the they won so many oscars for like visuals in that film like the 3d effects and the cgi they they swept that year the film didn't pay the studio enough for the work they did and they had to close down wow that like digital artists and creators are always at the shitty end of the stick because right. Well, it's on a computer. Anyone can do it. Exactly. But it's, that isn't, that's, that's, that's the narrative. That's the narrative, but it's not the case. Well, that's, it's like the way that because digital media itself is such a massive part of culture and society and that because it is like such a commodity, like there has been a commodification of digital artists where like art painters, you know, artists like that. You, they... So I've got a theory about this. So I, I sort of, sorry to cut you off. No, the not. entry level to creating digitally is fucking easy. Yeah. Like, I, you know, my story, I, I had a cracked version of Photoshop and went off on my merry way. Yeah. That was like in the 90s, like 90s or something. Now everybody can get Photoshop. Everybody can get C4D. Everyone can get Blender for free. Yeah. So the, anyone with a laptop can start creating digitally. Whereas the pursuit of putting art on canvas is 
you've either got to be extremely wealthy, you've got to, like you've got you've got to be time rich, you've got to be just stable that like you don't need to work a nine to five right. and you can put the art first. And not many people can do that. Like you can create digitally for free, mm-hmm. creating with pottery or bronze or like painting. You everything costs. Right. So it, it, I don't know. Like traditional artists will, will always be at the forefront. Yeah, but talent doesn't just come to anybody yeah but everyone's got a talent like but i don't i think the most talented people aren't the the most well i can like i like fundamentally could figure out how to use photoshop and that doesn't mean i could be any good at it yeah but that's because it's not you're not passionate about it yeah like when i was doing mixtapes i don't know if i just said this like i remember literally the day instagram came around like rappers and artists would be like instead of going to a, a graphic designer or someone that they'd worked with previously, they'd say, here's my album, here's my here's my name, here's the title, sorry, use, use a picture of my Instagram, best cover wins. Mm. Wouldn't even pay, just exposure. Like when you've got that many people willing to do stuff and work for free, mm. it almost like unlegitimizes itself. Yeah. It becomes, so you're, anyone can become a digital artist. Yeah. Not anyone can become a traditional artist, really, or a successful one. Maybe I've maybe I'm just on the wine. I don't really know. No. There's a thought there. There's a thought. Yeah, there. I get it. It landed. Oh, good, nice. It's a good one. Very rare. Well, do you have any questions for me before we wrap this up? Because we've Are been we wrapping on up. How long we've we been going? Almost an hour. I'm at some pizza. I want to know <laughs> why you ripped up my verbena out the garden and didn't admit it. I didn't know I did it. I admitted it in the end, but I didn't know that I did it. Okay. I was just on a weeding. Is that an apology? I have apologized 500 times. <laughs> okay, sorry, I just wanted that in the public domain. I've apologized a thousand Okay, times. let me, I'll ask you a couple. You can come if you want. Don't touch. How, how have you found like the podcasting um, gig? Have you, like, how have you found like being held accountable and having to show up and because you do work fucking hard on this you do put a lot of hours into what you do how's it been for you well it's interesting because i i really enjoy talking to people like i i'm very good at it thank you i think i've met a lot of really interesting people but it's like mentally this like shift in and like this for the first time in my life like a nervousness around talking to people for the first time and making a good impression and having a good conversation like i don't want to waste anybody's time and i don't want anybody like i think in my life is that as being a host or guest or i think i'm stronger as a guest like i feel more confident as a guest because people are going to ask me questions and i'm going to just react and respond like all i have to do is show up with the energy and show up as myself and i think like with like i'm pretty confident that like in my life i've probably people that i've met and spend time with in person maybe i hope that most people would say that like they left that like they had a good experience with me like, i think so like you're you're like um what's the word like magnetism and energy is like always i've always thought is amazing well like, thank you but i have but you are a good host i think you need not please and also like you gotta remember people go on podcasts completely like out of ego. Yeah. Like they want to be there. You're not wasting anybody's time. Right. They they're they're on there to promote themselves or just to fill an hour out of their day. So yeah. I think you I think you do that very well. 
Well, thank you. It's just, I find it hard to like satisfy. I think there's a lot of expectations that I'm pressuring myself to satisfy. Like there's yeah, expectations yeah. of the guest, expectations of myself, expectations of producers, of, you know, the the network, you know, founders and creators. Like it's hard to like want I want to stay true to myself and to these people that I'm talking to and get to know things about them and also be able to talk about these like broader topics and have these conversations about things that are relevant to kind of the show's thesis or like theme and be able to do all of that in an hour or less yeah I mean it sounds like you just putting yourself under far too much pressure yeah well that's one of my Special well, yeah, skills. no, but I think like with the pace and the pace of podcasts and in like the pace of like new content, all you've got to do is just make something that people want to listen to an hour out of the week. Like they they know you're going to show up, you're consistent. They're on their drive, they're on the treadmill, whatever. They just want to listen to someone with like um, a familiar voice and a familiar tone. And I think you do that very well. And you like, I, I, I'm obviously going to like you because I love you, but. No, I think you're doing really oh, well. Thank you. I think, you sh- I think you need to be kinder to yourself, as you always say to me. Oh, thank you, sweetie. Well, I will try that. But I like these times we get to record together. Well, yeah, thanks for that. It's the up, most actually. we've talked I in weeks. Babe, my, my, my guest is cancelled. Can you drop in? <laughs> the most we've talked in weeks. What the fuck's <laughs> wrong with you? You've been so busy with your show. Okay, anything else you want to say before we go? I know you want to stay, but when's that's it going out? next week. Before the show? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, anybody in London on the 6th of July, Oxford Street, Flannels. Yes. And if you're PM. there, if you're not there on the 6th, but you're there after the, ex- uh, yeah, the exhibition month. is there for the month. So definitely go check it out. And but when we'll you do, tag us on Instagram. And well, we probably won't see on Twitter, but tag us. I won't see on Instagram either. I mean, I might do. But yeah. Tag me. I'll show you. You'll where. see Cars and I'll be with Cars. I'm not going to wear a mask, I don't think. That's very sexy. Well, a big uh, reveal shout out to sean beckinsides for sean beckinsides all right honey oh also yeah go oh also um we're getting married in a couple weeks we are need saying the date no okay yeah we're getting married no in gifts, august please just send eth for our honeymoon fund no because they'll actually we should probably talk about like we were thinking of starting an only fans weren't we when yes. you were just going to be massaging my feet yeah so if anybody if anybody sounds... wants that actually yeah can please you we're taking know? only a hundred subscribers can you do that why only 100 because i'm trying to create fomo babe it's marketing I'd r- we're only if one accepting... person buys me getting a foot job oh okay so if anybody we're only opening it up you're, for the first hundred subscribers. Bogey, if you're listening, please don't cut this bit out because I'm deadly serious because I need a new revenue stream. Yes, we do. Yes. Okay, well, I we love do. you so much. I love you too. Thank you so much for having me. You're and my can favorite. Can your guest, I'm the guest, can your listeners say if they want me back more often? Yeah. Do your own little side. Yeah, we should maybe have side quests. Yeah, maybe your news episodes are just me, me and you talking shit. About the news. About the news, yeah. Okay, but I'll send you the news stories in advance so that yeah, you know what you. to do. You did that last time. You go so hot and heavy, like the first grade. I'm like, what? The but that, fuck? that's what I'm saying. Like, I get nervous right away, even when it's just us. Like, I it's nerve wracking to me because I am like, how am I going to start this? How am I going to end it? What are we going to talk? Like, I want to get my, I want to have good conversations, and so much of it, like at a certain at certain moments, feels like it's contrived because it has to be because you're just diving in or whatever mm. like there isn't a warm-up 
period. Okay. There's no, no foreplay. There's no lube involved. There is no foreplay at all. No. So. Well, yeah, I think you're doing really well. Crack on. Thanks, honey. All right. I'm it's gonna... a shame we're going to have to end it, though. I could have gone on for a bit longer. I really want some I pizza. Can you hear that? I can't hear anything. Oh, okay. I hope it's been recorded. All right. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. Love you. The Carson Daily Show is a Decentral Media production. Please follow this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate me five stars. Share it with your friends and foes and DM me any questions you have. You can find and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carson Daily and the show's dedicated Instagram at The Carson Daily Show.